the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, it is nice to be with you. It's been a little, for no particular reason. It's just kind of the way the calendar has fallen. I have not been very much at the, eight, the uh, 5.30 service, so I'm really glad to see you. Um, you know, this gospel passage, uh, it, it would be, I think, intuitive and, and maybe expected just to say, y'all love one another. Just, just, just love one another. I mean, what a, that's a, what a, a good message. But typical, probably. I, I just, I think that's harder than it sounds. Um, and so I'm going to kind of talk about the difficulty uh, of the command to love one another as Jesus has loved us. When we uh, got married, Amy and I got married on our wedding bands, inside our wedding bands, we had engraved John 15.12. Of course, that uh, John 15.12, that's the verse in this gospel passage where Jesus says, this is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Man, that, was, that sounded like a great idea uh, for us. Uh, it was going to be a reminder to us to keep Jesus at the center of our marriage, right? And it was, it was uh, going to remind us to love each other with, with a love that was modeled on Jesus' love. And so we had this just starry-eyed optimism, right? I mean, we were, we were just, we knew, I mean, we were going to love each other with a sacrificial love. We were going to obey Jesus' commandment. We were going to have a love that was willing to die uh, for each other, and I knew there was going to be a lot of kissing involved, so I was good with, uh, with John 15, 12. Uh, the rings would remind us. I lost that ring. So it's on, it's on the bottom of a lake in Pennsylvania. I, I was windsurfing. Uh, a friend of mine wanted to teach me how to windsurf. It's the only time I've ever been windsurfing, uh, and, and it was right there. I, I can remember seeing it. It was right I was holding onto the board, and it was on the tip of my finger, and I reached for it, and it was gone. And um, at least that's the story I told Amy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's really true. But I, so I, I was thinking about this, this, uh, this passage this week, and I, I thought about losing that ring, and, and in a sense, losing that verse with it, uh, losing that command. I, so I got another ring, but... I thought that illustrates the point, that it's, it's easy to intend to love like that, right? It's also easy to drop the ball, or in my case, to drop the ring, right? So Amy and I, of course, we love each other very much. We'll have our 20th anniversary this summer, August 15th. Uh, recently, I said August 8th. She was like, it's the 15th. Um, August 8th is my dad's birthday. It just got him mixed up. But, um, you know... As you probably know, it is, uh, we are not starry-eyed anymore about the love we have for each other. Uh, and you may have gone, experienced this as well. I, we are, uh, our love for one another has been forged through many episodes that at first didn't look like this commandment was anywhere to be found. Love one another as I have loved you. Uh, in the end, in these episodes, it, it, if it looked like Jesus' love, it was only because the situation required apology and forgiveness, healing and redemption. So love one another as I have loved you is a commandment of God. And it, is, it looks really happy when it's stitched on a pillow. 
And yet, uh, it's hard to do. To love one another as Jesus has loved us is messy because it is uh, a love for messy situations and messy people. This is the kind of love that people need when they need forgiveness. Now, you might know this as well as I do, maybe better, from your relationship with your spouse or your child or your parent, with a sibling as you're haggling over your parents' estate. You might know it from a friend or a coworker, But whatever the situation, you know that it is, it's kind of humiliating to need love like this. And it is hard to give love like this. Because this isn't the fun, smoochy, gushy kind of love. Right? This is love that is determined and steadfast. That is more uh, action and decision than emotion. Uh, this is a love that stays when everything inside of you says to run. This is a love that fights for rather than fights against. It's a love that is personally costly, and it costs Jesus his life. And in fact, this is the love with which Jesus has loved you when you required forgiveness. But it is also a love that is deep and redeeming and joyful and transforming for both the giver and the recipient. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, given the context, I think that this is what, this is essentially what Jesus is talking about a couple of verses earlier when he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And for me personally, I don't know about you, but for me personally, this makes the whole passage really tricky. Because what exactly is Jesus getting at? It sounds a little like it sounds a little like he's saying that his love is conditional. Like if you keep my commandments, then I will love you. And in fact, that's what a lot of people think about Christianity, that it's really just what it just wants is obedience or conformity to to rules. I I uh, had a conversation with a young man, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago. And in the course of the conversation, I asked him why he didn't go to church. And he said, well, you know, it just seems like a lot of rules. I was really struck by that, because that's not my experience of Christianity at all, but it certainly was his experience and what he took away from his church experience. And here's Jesus saying, if you keep my commandments, then you will abide in my love. I don't think he's saying that abiding is is conditional uh, in the sense that Jesus is withholding. I don't think he's talking about the Ten Commandments per se, or the Mosaic Law, the Sacrificial Law, and all that, except in the sense that, like Jesus said, all those laws are summed up in the great laws, love God, Love others, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In that sense, only 
uh, is he talking about the Ten Commandments. But Jesus says, if you love others as I have loved you, if you love God and love others, if you love others as I have loved you, then you will find that you are abiding in my love. Obedience to those commandments are sort of the uh, litmus test or the, uh, the doorway into abiding in the love of Christ. Now, how we, we do those things by abiding in, in love, and we abide in love by doing those things. It's sort of chicken and egg. But the sacrificial love of Jesus and, and His forgiving grace are at the heart of how we treat others. And it's in that treating of others with grace that we find ourselves to be centered in His love. But, on the other hand, if we prioritize principles over people, if we love being right more than we love our neighbor, if we would rather win an argument than win a friend, then we're just simply not availing ourselves of the love of Jesus. We're not abiding uh, in that love. So Jesus, uh, Jesus is saying, if you love God and love others as He has loved you, then you will find yourself centered in that love. But it's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to love others as Jesus loved us. And if that's true, then it must be harder than it sounds to abide in His love. So I want to just make the point, and to do so I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit, uh, and so a little caveat, I'm not, if it sounds like I'm ripping on a particular denomination, I'm not. Um, the point, I'm going to tell you the point I want to make, and that is that sincere and well-intentioned Christians uh, may often be blind to the ways that we fall uh, short of loving others as we have been loved by Christ. Sincere and well-intentioned Christians uh, can fall short or be blind to the ways that we fall short uh, of how we are to love as we have been loved. So I'm going to read a letter that was written this past week by Beth Moore. And you may know Beth Moore. She's a conservative evangelical teacher. A lot of our ladies have have taken her Bible studies. Um, And she is writing about her interactions with men in her particular slice of the Christian sphere. And these are men that I can only uh, presume long for personal holiness. Men who want to love others as Jesus has loved them, and yet men, as, as Beth Moore points out, who have been blind to the ways that they have failed to love her and love other women as Jesus loved them. So this is what Beth Moore wrote. She said, I have always accepted the peculiarities accompanying female leadership in a conservative Christian world because I chose to believe that whether or not some of the actions and attitudes seemed godly to me, they were no doubt rooted in deep conviction based on passages like 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. So see, she's given them the benefit of the doubt for a long time. She says, then early October 2016 surfaced attitudes among some key Christian leaders that smacked of misogyny, objectification, and astonishing disesteem of women, and it spread like wildfire. It was just the beginning. 
And I came face to face with one of the most demoralizing realizations of my adult life. Scripture wasn't the reason for the colossal disregard of women among many of these men. It was only the excuse. Sin was the reason. Ungodliness. And this is where I cry foul, and not for my own sake, she writes. Most of my life is behind me. But I do so for the sake of my gender, for the sake of our sisters in Christ, and for the sake of other female leaders who will be faced with similar challenges And I do so for the sake of my brothers. Because Christ's likeness is at stake. And many of you are in positions to foster Christ's likeness in your sons and in the men under your influence. The dignity with which Jesus Christ treated women in the Gospels is fiercely beautiful. And it was not conditional upon their understanding their place. She says, about a year ago, I had an opportunity to meet a theologian I had long respected. I had read virtually every book that he'd ever written, and I looked so forward to getting to share a meal with him and talk theology. The instant I met him, he looked me up and down, smiled approvingly, and said, you're better looking than blank. Except he didn't leave it blank. He filled it in with the name of another woman Bible teacher. Now, it's, it's disgusting. And we can learn a lot about the treatment of others. But it is too easy and too simple to just dismiss these men as Pharisees and jerks out of hand. They are. But to to dismiss it would be, I think, tempted to commit a similar sin. Because these are men, and I'm presuming that these are men who love the Lord. And who have given their lives to teaching His Word. And yet these same men were blind to their sin. Blind to their lack of love for their sister in Christ. These were not men who woke up one day and made a decision that today I'm not going to love Beth Moore. Or many, many others, I'm sure. They just didn't love them. What came naturally was an unsanctified, worldly sinfulness dressed up in a Christian tie. And it probably didn't bother them. Until maybe... Maybe they were confronted with it. I don't know how you translate this to your own life. But for me, when I read that letter, I was left wondering, where am I blind to my own sin? Where have I not been bothered by how I neglect to love others as Christ loved me? Maybe it's with women, I hope not. Maybe it's with my family, I hope not. Maybe it's in my parish, I hope not. But I don't know if I'm blind to it. It's part of why we need Christian community around us. But I'm, I'm left a little scared, introspective, and asking God for mercy. Because really, I don't want to just obey Jesus to the letter, right? I want to obey Him inwardly all the way. I want to obey Him in my deepest thought. I want to... Obey Christ on the molecular level. 
I want my actions to reflect his love reflexively and automatically. The only, reason, the only way we can want that is because he has first loved us without condition. He loved me when I was not just blind to some of my sin, but all of my sin. And he loved me by dying. Not waiting for me to clean up my act. He engaged. And then he loved me by rising again. It is hard to love one another as he loved us. But I, I will say, you don't get better at it by trying to get better at it. You get better at it by continually focusing on Christ and how he has loved us. And then ask for mercy. And the last thing I'll say is that Jesus himself says that this is for our joy. He says, I'm saying this so that, you, uh, so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants us to engage in the difficulty of loving others as he has loved us. Because he knows that will be the fountain. And he ultimately will be the fountain of joy. It doesn't come easy, but it is worth it for your sake and for his. Amen.